I've understood now. My place is with her. Lisa, you don't mean it. Listen, I have to do this. Not just for Brady, but for me. I have to be strong. Please try and understand. This was a wonderful idea, Dal. And if I hadn't come with you, I would never have realized what I really wanted. Welcome to Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Liz. Hello. Hill. Hey. And Sabine. Hi. With episode notes done by Matt, Kata, and myself. So episode 24, um, the screenplay was done by Charles Hodges. It was directed by Lawrence Wilson, and the episode synopsis will be read out by Liz. Tai San continues to elude Lex's affections the morning after their trysts, much to Lex's confusion and frustration. Meanwhile, Ryan has romantic, though odd, dreams about Zandra. On the beach, Dal and Trudy are enjoying their new hosts, but Trudy begins to have second thoughts about life outside the mall and decides to go back, leaving Dal with the nomads. How will Choi and Susanna react when they discover Trudy missing the following morning? Last night I wanted to, right now I don't. Do you have a problem with that? So when are you going to want to again? Please. All you want is someone you can snap your fingers for when you're in the mood. No. Yes. And when you don't get what you want, you're a cross little boy. Do you know how unattractive that is? One minute you want me, the next minute you don't. What am I supposed to think? When are you going to learn to respect other people's feelings? Then you can relate to them. When are you going to learn that? Let's kick off with Tai San. Um, so it's the morning after the night before, and we have Tai San's conversation with Lex. Um, and it's during this scene where she tells him point blank, we won't get his way, and just snapping his fingers and getting sex from her whenever he wants. She even goes one step further and tells him that he needs to think about other people's feelings in order to relate to them. Yeah, the first word that comes to my mind is hypocrisy. But um, yeah, what do the panel think about Tai San's words here? And has Tai San ever actually considered anyone else's feelings before? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> just needed to say it. I, I just, he never did. It was all there was a lot of hypocrisy there, but mm-hmm. I liked her saying that to Lex. Yeah. See, see that, that's why I'm torn. I liked her saying that, but then at the same time, it's like, but you're just just so hypocritical. It's like I can't take you seriously. I liked it coming from a woman, though. Like you know, because normally girls in shows aren't the ones who are like, ah, uh, 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 no. Yeah, like it was, it was like, yeah, like you can, you're totally a hypocrite, but I love you for it. Because you're a chick and you're doing this and go on with it. Go on being a hypocrite because you're a girl. I agree with you guys. I really love that she says this to Lex and she's very right what she says to him. I I love how she points out that, you know, you turn into a, a spoiled baby boy when you don't get your way. And do you know how unattractive that is? Which I loved her saying that to him. Mm-hmm. But I agree. There is a lot of hypocrisy in what she's saying. Because uh, she's not considering what, how other people are going to... How, like, for example, how Zandra will feel. Knowing that she's sleeping with Lex. You know? She must be aware of it. Because she's not bragging about it to anybody. And she's been very discreet about seeing Lex. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And 
that hypocrisy will come out later. A lot of what Tyson does is loaded with hypocrisy. So I guess maybe she doesn't think what she's doing is the same because I don't know. Maybe she doesn't think that what she's doing would hurt anyone. I don't know. I, I, I don't agree that that's like the truth, but I wonder if maybe that's what Tyson is thinking. Because when she tells Zandra later about her and Lex, she says it in a way where she doesn't expect Zandra to be upset about it. You know, so maybe in Tyson's world, it's okay that she's doing this yeah. because she won't hurt anyone's feelings. At least that's what she seems I'm to think. I'm with you on that. I don't think yeah. Tyson thinks she can do any wrong because she came down from the ether on a cloud and is. In the same way, Bray doesn't know. expect yeah. people to think he's done something wrong because his intentions are good. Maybe Tyson figures well i wasn't sleeping with lex to hurt anyone i was trying to fix I did him, it for so. the tribe yeah okay. know. so my yeah. intentions are good feelings shouldn't get hurt over that i'm not saying she's right but maybe that's where she's <laughs> i think that i think you're right she's simply going oh sandra doesn't want to sleep with him oh i will what's the matter with that something's broken i need to fix it this seems to be the way whereas lex does hurt people's feelings and does often have malicious intent at least that's what she's basically telling him mm -hmm. and so yeah. yeah but i agree she's being a hypocrite and i still love what she said to him mm -hmm. we're being hypocrites but we love it <laughs> we forgive her we forgive her this is the whole we just hit it right now we're being hypocrites like tyson but yet we're doing it for the right reasons it's kind of tyson <laughs> in a nutshell like she's being what she's saying to lex is the truth even if she's so being true. a hypocrite about it and mm -hmm. it's so true so it's like tyson has a lot of great truths in the things that she says but we've discussed that she doesn't actually take into consideration the things that she's saying or how you know her behavior is how it reflects what she's saying I, I, I love that moment between her and Lex I don't want to <laughs> yeah, right like, do you his face like it's like I kind of want to walk into the scene and like pick his jaw off the floor and just be like mm -hmm. it's okay bud you're good just stop it's, it's all good well I'm awake now so get back in bed like <laughs> <laughs> like i appreciate oh, you keeping busy while i was asleep but oh wait so we can get back to <laughs> i'm good <it>. now <laughs> you're so considerate thanks get back in bed <laughs> right hey every time i read these episode notes my mind goes weird on the first topic because every time i read sex on tap i read sex on tape me too thank you someone else did it yay i did too and then I was like, wait, there was a sex tape involved? What? Ha what? Exactly. <laughs> when did that oh, happen? You know if it was rebooted, that would definitely happen. <laughs> if it was what? If there was a reboot of the tribe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sandra would find it. <laughs> it would be a whole mess. <laughs> yeah, Sandra would find it because Ryan was accidentally watching it. Oh. <laughs> no, one of the kids found it. They're like, look, it's a tape of the Muppets. And they put it in. And you're like, ah. You? What are they doing? <laughs> All oh. subtlety would be out the window. Taking a drink when that happens to me. See, now I'm imagining them using the limited resources at the mall to do something that dumb. Just make Lex making it. <laughs> make a sex tape. 
We barely have a society, but hey, look what we can do. But, I'm just watching you guys set sail. Like, wow, where are they going? What do you trade with the phones? Well, whatever they need. They tell us what they want and we find it for them. Have some more bread. Oh, it's very kind, but we can't repay you. You don't have to. There's plenty here for everyone. We have a little saying in our group. Give what you have and you'll always get it back. So let's switch to um, Trudy and Dal. Um, so they wake up in the nomad camp um, to a great breakfast of bread, honey, fresh apples and tomatoes. Um, and it's in the scene that Dal wonders how all this is possible. And Troy begins to explain that there are farmers out there in the mountains who they can trade with. Um, so yeah, first question, like, what did you think about this sudden insight into the outside world that we really get a glimpse of? I wanted to see more of it. I was They're so still cannibals. At this point, that's what I was thinking. They were still cannibals. It's uh, it's to me. It was kind of like what would it, what might have become um, the guy in tribe later. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many tiny different tribes out there living life their own way, and this is one of the first glimpses we get at a tribe that seems to be functioning. It's a whole. It's like, it feels like a hope that things could return to some form of normality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes the mall feel even more like a prison. Because for the longest time, mm-hmm. up until this point, the mall rats are the only decent people we meet. And mm-hmm. so you they're your only vision of moving forward in a positive way. Every other mm-hmm. tribe you see is, you know, out in the street causing trouble and chaos and destruction. And Yet you get to see this tribe and it's such a different life than even the Marats are living. And it's their first hint that they don't have to live the life they're living in the mall. There are options and um, that the world feel bigger. Yeah. Like you don't have to live in the city, hiding out, living off tin peaches. You could go out and take a chance. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hope for the world actually returning to normal and fixing itself. And then you have the the tribe meeting on the coast. That too is very exciting because it's like, are the tribes starting to work together? How did this happen? When did this happen? You know, um, you never, we never got to see a glimpse of who could possibly getting along, but they must be apparently, you know, and yeah, it's hope that maybe we could get out of them all, you know? Mm-hmm. I like seeing, like, the city itself is its character, and I've always thought that. Um, so seeing other tribes and seeing how they work, like, I I wish we had that. Like, we have the tribe, which is the ball rats, but where where's the techno? Like, I wanted to see other tribes, too, like, their day-to-day life, so it was cool to see mm-hmm. this, even if they're cannibals, but, you know. But it inadvertently does cause a problem for the tribe. As much as I love the mall rats and them living in the mall, when you keep getting these glimpses of tribes that are functioning in a much more healthy manner outside <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're not the city, it makes the, the mall rats' choice to remain in the city become more and more insane as time goes yeah. on. Yeah. Like, I guess, why like- are you guys still there? Just leave yeah. the city. What are you hanging on to? <laughs> But I, I don't know, maybe it's because, and I, I guess the tribe was the first one of these type things. 
But if I look at a lot of the media that I consume of like survivalists or zombie apocalypse or whatever you have it, like Dawn of the Dead, they go to a shopping mall. And I think it's the remake. Um, I think there's a few other at Walking Dead, I think at one point they're going through a shopping mall. Like there are a lot of shows where they go to the mall. Um, Kevin Smith's Small Rats is based in a mall. Like, I love that movie. So, um, like, it it almost seems like a practice. Like, if this were to happen, I would probably go to the mall. Like, I don't know. It 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 seems like a dumb decision, but it also seems like a logical decision. Oh, I don't think it's dumb that the kids made their fortress on a mall. That's not what I meant. I meant that as time goes on, and you know. They, the fact that they stay in the city, like even when the yeah. city's falling apart, after a while you have to ask, what are they fighting for? You know what I mean? Why are you trying to fix the city when you could just be focusing on your tribe and living a healthy, happy, well-adjusted life someplace else? We're going to do some reading today, Casey. Boring. Thank you for that, Patsy. Want to join us? Reading? I can't. I'm helping Jack with his wind machine. Does Jack know? I'm gonna ask him. Good luck. Sorry I stole your Game Boy, Jack. They wouldn't let me play them at the home. My dad and me used to play them all the time before. I miss my dad. So we have an, an illiterate KC skips Amber's reading classes and he makes the excuse that he has to help Jack with the wind turbine. And it's in this scene that he pushes a sub story about missing his father and he even manages to guilt Jack into helping him help out. Yeah, how, how true do you think Casey's backstory there was? Um, and if I don't know from that, do you think Jack is really a better role model than Lex? Um, <laughs> I, I got theories. When it comes to the truth of Casey and his stories, I think <laughs> some there's some truth to everything he says that he's experienced. But I think he's also just gotten used to uh embellishing the facts that will get him what he wants from somebody mm -hmm. so i think there's some truth that casey may have played video games with his father until he couldn't who knows why maybe it wasn't the virus that came between him maybe his father abandoned him he's not going to give you those specifics but it's quite possible that yes his once upon a dime his dad was there and he played games with him and now that's gone you know um so yeah i think whatever casey does he has learned to stretch the truth to manipulate the kind of emotions he needs out of people but i don't think they're all flat out lies um, yeah i'm casey's really good at like reading the room and like he's got that i don't even know what like the personality archetype is but he's the kid who maybe didn't come from a good home situation or maybe he did but he learned very quickly that if he stretched the truth, he could get things that he needed. Mm -hmm. And in this world, it works out to his advantage. To be able to become whatever character he needs for the situation at hand. Because I can, I can believe that Casey, you know, came from maybe a broken home. And may have ended up in and out of foster care because his parents couldn't get their, their act together. Um, mm -hmm. And I do, I, I can believe that there might have been some abuse there. So I think there's some truth to every story Casey shares about what he's experienced, but he's not giving you all the details and all but the But I could also see it 
on the flip side where he's, you know, he's a good, happy kid and just realized that he could say, he could put some soot on his face, go out on the street and say, hey, I'm a kid in foster care and I need a new bike and people take pity on his story and then he makes out. So I can see both sides with Casey. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I don't know. I you guess know. I, I... I know you... I kind of just always felt more like Casey did live through some of these things. And, you know, that's where he's he's learned these coping skills and how to use them. I think it's skills he learned how to use them, but he doesn't always necessarily tell the whole truth. Yeah, he know? stretches it. He, he stretches it whatever way suits him. He wants that Game Boy. He's going to tell a sad story about how he didn't get to play with it anymore. He's, he's a chameleon. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Like he he's able like he's able to see the situation unfold and think however many steps he needs to be, whether it is a slightly truthful story or whatnot, I don't know. But he's able to deal with that or get that and get his way through these stories. This is very I, I kinda like Casey because um He's a lot like Ebony in that she, he can use his words to manipulate and like yeah. fabricate the scenario. And I think that's that's what I think that's what draws me to him. I think that's why I like him. Yeah. I like Casey. Like he's at this point, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, I also don't mind Casey's dishonesty because he's not usually looking to hurt anybody when he's no, lying. It's not malicious. Yeah, it's no, not that's malicious. Like that's kind of what's cute about it. Like. And that's why I think he's a kid trying to get his way. Like he still has to look out for number one. Yeah, he. Well, yeah, but what he wants so. are very simple yeah. things. He yeah, it's like hurt he anybody. He's not trying to keep Jack's stuff. You know, he yeah. just wants to borrow it for a little while. So yeah, I guess I don't mind how true it might be. I do still think there's some truth to what Casey's saying, but his lies never really bother me because he's not trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. I think one of the things he did try to do was impress Lex with his skills. You know, he, he instantly sort of looks up to Lex and goes to Lex, look what I still well managed to get from Jack. I think that's a sad and thing about Casey. Like, well, moving on to whether Jack would be a better role model, Casey is desperate for somebody that he can look mm -hmm. up to yeah. and get close to. And Lex is the only one with his door open, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's such a shame to see this child be taken under Lex's wing when there's so many better people who would have could have looked after Casey yeah. and Casey would have thrived in their care but Lex was the only one who accepted him you know the minute the minute Jack doesn't want his help the minute Jack gets annoyed with him he chases him away they were doing okay you know Casey was good at what he did but you know Jack's impatience with anyone being better at something than him or not listening to him or whatever chases him off and where does he go he goes to find the one other person that he thinks will accept him. He goes to Lex, you know. Um. So this is why I think Casey, before the virus, was in, like, a group of kids who would stretch the truth to maybe get, you know, around to candy bars or whatever and then go off behind a, a <laughs> store somewhere and eat candy bars because they said that they were, like, orphans or whatnot. Because, like, the second he gets what he's after or whatever, he goes to Lex, who he probably sees the same sort of bond. Like, he's used to working as a team with other people. Can't remember where I was going with that. He sees Lex as one of his friends. Yeah. 
I honestly don't think Jack would be a better role model no. for him, right? Just not at this point in no. his life. You know, um, I don't think he would have been any better than Lex. I think he would have possibly been just as abusive as Lex. Um, if not more. If not more. Uh, impatient. He would not. I mean, Lex at least in some form tries to extend friendship to Casey. And he's willing to protect him against Bray. Stand up again for him against other people. Yes, it's all to Lex's benefit. But if you were KC, who would you prefer? You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that Lex is a better role model because he's a better person or that it's healthier for KC. I just think that Jack wouldn't be any better than Lex at this stage. He's just not mature enough yet. Jack just doesn't play well with others. Yeah. And I, I can't see him like even just giving an inch to. Do that. In Jack's youth, it, the only way Jack can have friends in the first few seasons is if those people are willing to challenge him and put up with him. So you've got Dal and you've got Ellie later. They are both willing to take Jack on and they don't let him shout him down, shout them down. And they're not afraid to put him in his place, but they're also willing to tolerate who he is. So that is why Jack has them as friends. Jack doesn't really have any other friends because other people don't have the patience for that. I mean, eventually Jack grows up and he does learn how to become a friend <laughs> to other people. But yeah, if you want to be friends with Jack, you're going to have to do all the work. It's basically where he is right now. Yeah. So I was just thinking, does Jack yeah. actually ever make a friend other than... No. I was thinking the same thing, actually, too. Not no. like season five. Mega? Does he show that Not he's got he can actually yeah. make friends and get along with people? Um, mm. Because who, other than Ellie and Dal, he doesn't actually make any no. friends with anyone. He learns to get along yeah. with people. But I always have to laugh at the moment that Jack returns after a long while and... Trudy instantly runs to him and hugs him. Yeah. And he goes, I should go missing more often. Yeah. This is a funny line. Just because nobody cared about him up until that point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jack yeah. is a character, but I don't think I would be his friend. Yeah, I, I think he did like, or at least enjoy, the company of the Technos because they were more on his skill level. And... Well, some of them lack the social empathy that he does. Yeah. But I always thought that was a weird... Like, to me, Jack was never more of, of, like, the techno nerd. He was, like, the engineer nerd. And so I thought that was a weird thing. What separated Jack from the technos is that what Jack wanted to use his knowledge to do. And he could never really get on board with how the technos used all of those skills mm -hmm. and resources. Like, he sees it, and he's like, wow, you guys can do all this. And you're, you, you decide to and take over, colonize a city, sell people into slavery. This is what you've done with your technology. I don't understand why you would waste all of this. Because he's so excited to be in there, but it goes against his moral code, you know. Um, so he, he does stand apart from them, because Jack turns out to have a moral code. And for him, mm -hmm. there's right and wrong. And what the technos are doing is wrong, unfortunately. And it's a shame because they've got all this talent at their disposal. And this is how they're choosing to use it. And he's making the choice that he will not use his talent the same way. Good point. Good way of putting that. Oh, you've already done that. I know. I'm doing it again because you liked it so much. 
Mm. Oh, hi. Hi. So, what have we here then? What does it look like? Yeah. What does it look like? Operation Jealousy. So, um, as she sees Lex completely falling over Tai San, Xander decides to launch her next plan of attack, which is to get him as jealous as possible by latching onto Ryan. Um, and we see a scene where she begins to <laughs> massage his head in full view of the whole tribe. Yeah, what, what do you think about her plan of attack? And is all fair in love and war? Uh, this, this one time yeah, I was uh, actually kind of disappointed in Zandra, not because she's trying to make Lex jealous. Fine, she's allowed to do that. That I figured she'd be smarter not to use Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, she already knows that Lex is not... He's, he doesn't see Ryan as superior to him. He doesn't see him as a challenger. Why didn't she try to flirt with someone like Bray? Because everyone else is flirting over Bray. She wanted Lex's attention. Why not go after the one guy in the mall that because, gives him his chicken heart? Her. But, like, because everyone else is flirting with Bray, like... I just feel like she's wasting her energy. Like, does she really think Lex is going to be jealous over Ryan? You know what I mean? When Ryan and her just had the conversation where Lex made it clear, Ryan's never going to get a woman, you know? And, like, I just don't know why she would bother using Ryan for that. She had to know that wasn't going to work. I just feel bad for Ryan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole thing, like, I was... So, back in the day, like, I was the kid who would get taken in by, like, the popular girls, and I would be, like, a friend with them, and I would be really friendly, and I'd be like, man, the popular kids like me, I'm in the cool kids, and then, like, two weeks after the fact, like, they would do some horrible prank, like, I would come home in tears because, like, they were actually being mean to me behind my back, and I was just too dumb to see it, and so I really feel bad for Ryan, because that's exactly... Like, what would happen to me? And I just, I'm like, oh, Xandra, like, like, it just, it makes me mad. Because that's what she's doing. And it's like, I start to, like, not like her character because of it. I, I can agree. I can, and I, I just, like, I, yeah, I of all of that. the people. Because Ryan is really nice to her and sweet. And, like, he's, like, just going for this like without thinking and i'm just like dude like no like stop you know i think one of the reasons sandra went for ryan in this is because he's the safe option yeah yeah you know he would never push her to do anything she doesn't want to but also it's ryan and he's just a puppy dog yeah Celine. i mean i definitely agree with you right there that she can safely flirt with ryan and then also in the same breath let him down and reiterate that oh i'm not interested you and you ryan you know and it's not complicated because ryan will just accept what that Mm -hmm. if she did flirt with bray which would definitely have worked to get lex's attention she would still have the added complication of bray wouldn't see it as some innocent act he'd be like what's this about what's going on he wouldn't be as easy to fool and it would make things very complicated wait at this point too if zandra was to flirt with bray that would also put Trudy on high alert too, and nobody wants to mess with Trudy. Trudy's gone though. True, however, good point. Like, what? That is a picture. Yeah, but what does Sabine say? Sabine says Celine. Celine, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of competition when it comes with Bray, and those the girls, not so much Bray, would get back at Zandra. 
Maybe and, a girl code. I mean, Zondra does see Celine as a friend, and she also knows that Celine left Trudy to die, so she doesn't want to be on Celine's bad side. And yeah, so maybe she just yeah, she probably was like, oh, Bray's off limits. That's that's Celine's yeah. thing. That girl's got claws. True. Yeah, yeah, but she's observant, you know. Sandra is more observant than she gets credit for. She probably noticed Amber's mood in regards to everything about Bray. And if there's one person she doesn't want to get on the bad side of, it's Amber. So yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it does make sense that she picked Ryan. Because yeah. it's a very simple thing. She can flirt with him all day. And at the end of the day, she doesn't have to answer for it. And then she'll just friend zone him. And, you know. and then probably because she thinks at the end of the day... She's going to win back Lex. Lex would go talk to Ryan and be like, cheer up, bud. She's mine. Blah, 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 or whatever. And then it gets patched over and everyone's happy. You saw her do the same thing with Glenn yeah. in the beginning. You know, Lex wasn't paying attention. She flirted with Glenn. And Lex instantly paid attention because she was flirting with, with one of his friends. I didn't see her flirting with Glenn in that episode. No, yeah. In fact, all she said was Ryan step in because Glenn and Lex were fighting. She was not yeah. in the mood to be flirting at all. Lex accused her of having a thing for Glenn. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, we never see her flirt with Glenn or show any interest in Glenn. She's upset when Glenn is taken by the Locos because he was a friend. Right. But yeah, she never flirts with him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Lex was annoyed enough at the idea that she was... He just didn't like the fact that she might have sided with Glenn or would be upset that Glenn was gone. And, you know, it's emotional manipulation, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she never did that. I, I was just thinking that maybe that made her think that Ryan would actually work. No, I think it's just, it's the safe bet. And then if everyone gets what they want, it's easy for Zondra to sit down with Ryan or Lex to sit down with Ryan and explain to him what was going on and then everything gets patched over and we're all friends again it yeah. has also worked in her benefit before like when lex is being a jerk we've seen zondra run off with ryan and they'll have their little powwow and then lex will eventually come running to get her attention again so she does have reason to believe that if she gives ryan extra attention lex will come around only this time yeah. it's not working because Lex is getting what he wants from someone else. Yeah. So I retract my statement that it doesn't make sense she picked Ryan because you guys have convinced me it totally does. There you go. Good job, Liz. I just, once again, at the end of the day, I feel bad for Ryan because he's starting to show feelings for her. And suddenly she's like showering him with attention and he doesn't understand. Like, he doesn't see what's actually going on. I think that's why I, I was so kind of disappointed with it, because they had that frank discussion, or yeah. Zandra told him how she felt. Um, right. And then turn around and do this. It, it is confusing yeah. for him, yeah. And it just, it, it breaks my heart. She's doing what Bray does. Mm. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I'm not going to get into it. No. <laughs> but I do get, I've seen people like Zandra. She thinks that because she's been honest with ryan about her feelings that it's safe for her to act in any way she wants with him including flirting with him and if he falls for that it's his own fault because she already told him oh no, ryan remember i already told you i don't like you like that you know i was just playing we're just friends that's all you know that's how she rationalizes it in her mind like i was honest with him i told him i wouldn't be his girlfriend 
So it's his own fault for taking it personally that I flirted with him. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't like it. No, I agree. I don't, I don't like it. I feel bad for Ryan. I do. And I think she's being very childish and it's a reflection of the game that she and Lex always play. Only right now, Lex isn't abiding by the rules and she doesn't know why. She doesn't know there's another player on the board. So she's just like, well, I, I'm setting him up. Why isn't he knocking him down? I don't get it. But he's not even bowling in the same lane as her right now. And she doesn't know that. But it's also an interesting uh, thing for the writers to do to remind you that Zandra isn't just a victim in she and Lex's relationship. Mm -hmm. That she's an active player in this game. You know, she yeah. enables a lot of this behavior from him, even though she doesn't like it. She encourages mm -hmm. it. She chases his attention. And that's a pretty ballsy thing for them to do with her, you know, considering it'd be much easier to just make you feel sorry for Zandra for being in love with this guy. But instead, they don't paint her as a victim. They paint her as an active participant. Like, she wants this. She's mm -hmm. chasing it. She plays games to try and get it, you know, and it makes her a much more well-rounded person. Mm -hmm. I, I know Trudy was jealous about us. But I never told her she and I were going to be an item. It needn't change things between us. Us? Yes. There can still be an us, Ken. Okay, let's go on to a topic that I know you guys are going to love. <laughs> Bray and Celine. <laughs> okay, I've got a lot of questions for you guys here. <laughs> let's get in. How much time do we have? <laughs> Is there still an us? Okay, so Trudy is now out of the picture. So Bray tries to pick things up where he left off with Celine, and he doesn't get very far. Um, yeah, so many questions here. Like, was there ever really an us between Bray and Celine? Um, no. Do you think the writers have given the two a bit more time as well? As Bray later puts it, they were might have been. Yes, they were seeds that didn't. Yeah, they were. That's all. Yeah. There wasn't anything really lost. They were an opportunity that missed, you know, a closing door. That's all. Oh, I didn't take two, that exit. Oh, well. Two ships passing in the night. <laughs> and hitting icebergs along the way. I have like two heads about this because I remember how I felt when I first saw it. And I know how I feel retroactively because of things that happened later. Yes. So when I first yeah. saw it, I was just like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Like. Bray, I don't really think you're into her. Move on. Who cares? You know what I mean? You kind of got sucked into this, so you're free. <laughs> so just go, you know? That's how I felt at that point. I understood why Celine didn't want to pursue this, and I totally understand why as a child she can't explain that. Retroactively, I hate this because Celine decides to rewrite history and becomes canon for a lot of people that Bray abandoned Celine. He broke her heart. He's a heartbreaker. And yeah. it's like, Celine, you dumped Bray. Okay. Oh, I'll get to that discussion later. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You had the chance to have him. He yeah. came to you and said, Well, Trudy's gone. So I'm all yours, baby girl. And she was like, Don't touch me. <laughs> and you'll have the nerve to rewrite that later on. And it makes me furious. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I can't wait to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just. 
I don't like them. I don't. I am glad that it just ends. I am glad. Because again, I'm with you, Hill. I didn't really see anything there. Um, And it just felt like messy drama. Over it. And so I was totally, I I actually thought it was pretty ballsy that it just went nowhere. All of that drama and it went nowhere. And nothing. Wow, you guys caused a lot of trouble for no reason. (laughs) But once again, it's like it seems it's not seems but like the writers are like throwing stuff at Bray and like nothing sticks and I, I give them credit for just like alright Celine didn't stick let's just nix it but it's like we we started this episode we started talking about this like episode 5 now it's like episode 24 it took too long they, they knew what they were doing because they, they were playing the long game with yes. Amber they knew from the start True. it's a really clever subversion because they could have easily turned this into these two lovers caused all this trouble, but they were meant to be together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they didn't. It, that's what makes it unbelievable. All of this trouble was caused between Bray and Celine, and it went nowhere. It's nowhere. <laughs> and it's such a realistic thing between young people. You know, like your um, Celine's emotions for Bray were burning so hot. She was just like, I don't care if I crash the group. I can't help it, Amber. I love him. (laughs) And what? It's not even four days later. Don't touch me. I'm sorry. The way she says that always gets me. Let's let's jump into that. Because, yeah, what do you think about her overreaction? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Give me a second. (laughs) It was so dramatic. It was like... Like traumatic woman, woman. I just you I, think he had attacked her and was coming yeah. to make peace with her over it. I think it was just chalk it up to more of the tribe's overreaction acting, like young actors who don't know how to play. I don't know. No. But yeah. Like, uh, I think <laughs> she was directed to probably in a mo- in a way that just the very idea of being your bray she can't she can't bear it and of course yeah. it's because her own self-guilt and her own yeah. loathing but she's pro- projecting it onto him you know and um yeah <laughs> it is over the top and praise face yeah. like what the fuck did i do <laughs> Jeez. You, do you think they told Dwayne about how that would go or did they just let it go and like let him know that his reaction is the best but he's clearly learned he's learned to leave the room when a girl says i don't want to talk to you all <laughs> yeah, right fight. he was just like okay i'm gonna leave yeah don't also, like, <laughs> would you guys have stopped watching the tribe if celine and bray was a thing no yeah. i wouldn't have you had know. any I wouldn't have any other expectations, you know? Yeah. I would have definitely kept watching it. I didn't know where this show was going, you know? So I'm not saying I, I might can't have. say they would have been like a favorite couple or anything, but I... I might have given it a, a little breathing space. <laughs> I would have just hoped Trudy would return with a pension and a plastic knife. <laughs> with a plastic knife. <laughs> but I also think it's the writer showing that there wasn't anything between... Uh, Bray and Celine because it was set up as though Trudy was an obstacle in their relationship mm-hmm. and now yeah. Trudy's gone well they should be together right and the writer's like no these two weren't ever supposed to be together you know because even with the obstacle gone they're not it's not happening I do understand Celine's reasons I get where she's coming from I get all that Bray is his own obstacle I'm just gonna- <laughs> 
I feel bad for Bray. He must be very confused. Remember, Selene is the one who came to him and said, you need to make a choice, Bray. You know, if you're going to be with Trudy, fine. That's fair. But stop kissing me. And if you're going to be with me, then you need to make it clear that there's nothing between you and Trudy. Make a choice. Bray made a choice. He chose Celine. Trudy sees him kissing and decides to try and kill herself. He made a choice that risked somebody he cared about, you know, and he carries that guilt with him. And this same person ran away and he's still like, okay, I'm, I still want to try Celine. And she's like, nope. He must've been like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I threw the baby out of the pram for you. Like, what the, (laughs) are you kidding? And she's just like, I don't want to be with you. You can't give me a reason. No. (laughs) I just wanted the baby, not you. Right. There has to be a baby clause in this deal, and since there's no baby, there's no us. Bray must be so confused. <laughs> he risked his friendship with somebody for her, mm-hmm. and she's just like, I don't want to be with you anymore. I feel bad for him. I really do. For one. I don't, because it's Bray. I mean, I don't think he's terribly upset about it. I think he's more confused about it more than anything, like why he goes to Amber to say, hey, could you... Tell me what's going on. Maybe she's told you. I think he just wants to know the truth because he doesn't seem terribly upset that Celine doesn't want to be with him. More like, okay. uh, So what just happened? (laughs) Right. But maybe even a tiny bit relieved that he doesn't have to deal with that. Like, okay, I guess that just took care of itself. I think Bray's thinking to himself, why can't he get a girl who's mentally stable (laughs) at that point? (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't got a pistol who's mentally unstable. <laughs> that is true. Think about it. His high school sweetheart Ebony turns out to be a sociopath. Exactly. So they like, break up. He's spending all this time with Trudy, and she's um, crazy. Enough said, you know. And then there's <laughs> Celine, who he thought was okay, and then no, <laughs> he's just like I'm zero for three at this point. And like, it's funny because once again, he's like the golden boy high school jock who like Mister Perfect, and he just attracts the crazy. Amber is mentally unstable, people. I'm sorry, what? She's what? Well, yeah, she's what? Did you just say Amber is mentally unstable? Since when is it? Wait, wow, Sabine, defend it, Sabine. I want to hear it. Defend it. This is a girl who faked her own death because so. Someone showed her a picture of Bray with another room. With a little baby. Come on. He didn't fake her own death. Ebony did. Yeah. yeah. She stuck with it. But do you blame her? Because apparently crazy is what Bray is attracted to. So she's like, well, if I gotta play the part, I gotta play the part. Is that your only evidence? What else you got? Because that's not crazy. I know, that's, that's just a bad, that's just bad judgment. That was a bad choice. like petty, I'm so mad at my ex that I'm not even going to think clearly. That's not crazy. Yeah. Okay, we need another Yeah, another I, want, one, I want some real evidence that she's a More head proof. case. You don't get to just throw that out. You have nothing to support it. Jay. There's nothing mentally unstable about Amber. She makes some bad choices. But yeah, that's not the same as being a head case. Jay is also a bad choice, not a head case. (laughs) (laughs) Did Bray genuinely want to to connect with Celine? I don't think so. I think he was trying to do what was right. I just don't think he was that. Yeah, I think that's 
Bray's motivation is just doing what's right or what he thinks is right. He did it with Trudy. I, I think it's I think if Celine had been like, Oh, okay, we can be together, he would have gone with it and maybe something could have you know, it would have been good. You know? Um but he again, I don't think he's terribly that upset that she doesn't want to be with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he knows better things are on the horizon or whatever. And I'm gonna get gag myself life, you know, and see what's out what else is there. And there is that sense of being alone. And I think, I think Celine, like I said, she's this beautiful girl who validated him and made him feel good most of the time. Uh, yeah, I think he was attracted to that. But if she's going to act kind of crazy, he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> I tell you what, you'd make a great mother. His mother rejected him at birth, and he's been hand-read ever since. He's certainly taken a liking to you. Uh, in the nomad camp, um, Trudy's affected by the story of Misty and her pet goat Raindrop, um, who both were abandoned by their mothers. Um, and it's after this bonding that Trudy decides that she needs to return back to the mall and face up to her responsibilities towards Brady. Um, we've talked a bit about um, Trudy's decision to leave and stuff, but there's a more pressing question that I want to talk about. What did you think about Trudy suddenly abandoning Dow out to the wide world? Some friend she turned out to be. Come on, we all knew she was only using <laughs> Dal to get away from I know. them all. So. Dal was a temporary life preserver. But it's also that Dal wants to be there, you know? He wants to be out there. Okay. I just, I... This drives me mad. Okay, I had no, no issues with Dal leaving with Trudy to follow his dreams that was all fine <laughs> but for trudy to just leave him right strangers in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with cannibal strangers arm, like oh i i, I can't forget about that that's right ridiculous yeah well lance remember so she mad. may have had an epiphany about her daughter but she still hasn't shed all her selfish tendencies <laughs> right she didn't just grow up overnight okay she just leaves him <laughs> No, Dal, you stay here. This is your dream. What? Yes. Like, oh. like, no, I'll go back with you. Like, she's like, no, it's your dream. Like, what? No, don't abandon him here to this middle of nowhere. He knows no one. He's got no friends. He's got no supplies. Just like, like I mean, I'll give her props for going back by herself. But how could she just abandon him like that? I just, no. <laughs> no, that's to them at that point in time. They seem friendly. They seem... To have the way of life that Dell wanted. It doesn't seem dangerous to her at that point to leave him with people. No, it's, not about the danger. it's not about danger. It's about abandoning somebody that you agreed to go with. It's just not a story about abandoning mothers and she just abandons Dell. Like it's not even better. Okay. So here's my thing about this scene. I love it because everything is like sub- not really subliminal, but you know when you want something and that's all you can think about. So like all of the signs are like, you abandoned your kid, you abandoned your kid, you abandoned your kid. And she Trudy is so focused on the fact that she abandons her kid that she doesn't realize she's abandoning Dow. I think that's what makes it worse for me, because yeah, you're no. driving home your story of abandonment and then I know. The, the and then you just leave who stood up for Trudy, who looked after her, who helped her through her, all her illnesses, and she just exactly. leaves him. Like, exactly. It's no. hilarious to me. It's oh. hilarious. In Trudy's defense, I think she might have been a victim of bad writing. The writers needed Dal to stay 
with the nomads for that story to continue. Mm -hmm. But they needed Trudy to go back to the mall. So they could have written this in a way that would have made more sense where Dal says, I'll go with you. And maybe they could have discussed it. You know, or maybe even, some, maybe even showed some hesitancy on Dal's part, but they laid it all on Trudy's shoulders to be responsible for Dal staying. When again, it was Dal who wanted to leave the mall in the first place, and suddenly turning Dal into some lovesick calf who is willing to follow Trudy throughout the ends of the earth and no longer wants to follow his dream into the wilderness because she wants to go back to the mall. I don't think that's fair to Trudy, but again, that's a writer's problem. Um, and it does make it look like Trudy's just like, because I mean, that's what they have him say, I'll go back with you. And it's like, what happened to your dream doll? You were set up as the person who wanted to do this. And I can understand you being disappointed that Trudy wants to go back, but why would you immediately change your mind about what you wanted to do? Unless you never really want to do this and you only wanted Trudy. So the writers kind of put that on Trudy in her defense. I'm just saying like. I think that was just I think poor writing. Dal wanted to go back, not also because of the Trudy thing, but because going out on your own, even if that's your dream, is kind of scary. So he's with someone yeah. that, you know, at least kind of knows him a little bit, and it's going back to the safety of the mall, not with these creepy people that they found on the side of the road. Like, even if that's your like we all have dreams and if some magical being popped up and was like hey you could go where do your thing do your dream like i think i would be hesitant too because there's no guarantee and i would be leaving my comfort zone that's a good point i'll give you i'll give you a point there you know yeah well i mean it's one thing yeah like you said at least he had a companion someone he knew and trusted and it's like if you have to do it alone that's cuz i mean the minute amber said she wouldn't go into the wilderness with him he he's like okay we'll stick together that's obviously more important to dal so i'll give you a point there definitely like i mean for me personally like i've gone to other countries with groups of people and like every time we have like a day at the market which are all these like giant outdoor markets even if i don't like the people i've kind of latched onto i go with them through the market because i know that i will get lost and i will miss the bus and i will be stranded in the middle of nowhere so like could have been fun I think that's what Dal's kind of doing. Like, it's the better option. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely. I can't argue that. That's there There's evidence to definitely support that. I mean, Dal definitely prefers companionship over his dream. Yeah. And he chooses companionship over his dream many a time. Even when he becomes a pacifist, he still goes into a battle because of his friends. You know, just for the sake of being by their side. and gets himself killed. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, that's that's definitely in his character to choose companionship and loyalty over what it, he might personally want. So yeah, that's fair, definitely. And he could have refused to let her go alone. He could have just gone with her. He could have just ignored her wish of let me go alone. I wonder if he heard. I don't want you, Dal. I bet you he did. Like because he needs Sasha to tell him, dude. You know, because he says, I thought there was a chance for us. But Sasha's like, well, you'll never know if you don't go after her. And it's only then he's like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I should have just gone after But then, you know, we also get introduced to Sasha. But again, I do still think it's some lazy writing. They needed Dal to stay. They needed Trudy to go. Yeah. And they didn't really take the time. They rushed through Trudy's epiphany 
and her decision and the fact that Dal's not going back. They could have had a better conversation. That could have been yeah. better written out. But the writer's like, oh, this is where we need him to go. So Here, I think a lot of the times with the tribe, it almost seems like they have this whiteboard and, like, big plot points, like, Trudy needs to go back to the mall and they need, like, certain things to happen. And they just try and connect the dots however it makes sense. Like, and they don't normally think about it. This is what it feels well, like. Well, I mean, some writers are obviously very good at it. We've got great episodes where it feels very organic. And then other writers, I think, did just not as good at that. Or too much was cut. That's true, too. There could have been yeah. deleted yeah. scenes. The wrong ones went on the cutting room floor. Um, I'm not, like, mad at Trudy. Like, I, I, I agree. I think Sabine has a point to Trudy. She really does believe this is Dal's dream, and she doesn't want to be the one stopping him from living it. He did tell her he was miserable in the mall. He didn't want to be there. He never wanted to be there. And, you know, he was doing her a favor by taking her, you know, her with him. And so I can see Trudy being like, look, I already dragged one guy down. I don't want to do it to another guy. You know, especially I, I can tell he likes me, and I don't really like him that way. Dude, go live your dream. Don't let me be the reason you don't do it. I don't need that baggage on me. You know, I got enough. Um, so in her defense, yeah, I can see why she'd be like, no, dude, don't let me stop you from doing the one thing that would make you happy. Because I know how that feels. <laughs> Having my choices taken from me. So it's funny. <laughs> no, Dal, you stay. <laughs> Yeah, but Tal does look happy there. I mean, he gets excited when they talk about cars. He does, he gets that's true. very, very happy when he hears there are farmers. He looks like but he I can mean, have a place with them. Yeah. Yeah. But I think once Trudy leaves, once again, it starts spinning those circles of like, you know, I'm out here alone without my friends. Like, I miss my friends. Do, would I rather be with cars or would I rather have my friend? But again, in Trudy's defense, this is the same kid who abandoned his best friend and didn't so much as leave her a note. So what is Trudy supposed to think about Dal's friends? <laughs> in the same way that Dal has no reason to believe that Trudy would change her mind about motherhood because he witnessed how horrible it was for her, Trudy has the same reason not to... To believe that Dal won't regret leaving Amber because he was so adamant about hating them all and not wanting to talk about Amber. Mm -hmm. He never even left her a note to say goodbye. So, yeah, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate on this because I can totally argue that Trudy <laughs> totally selfishly abandoning Dal in the wilderness with a bunch of strangers because she didn't give a crap. And at the same time, I can say, okay, maybe this is not I can kind of defend some of her actions. At the end of the day, I blame the writers. They made this look terrible. <laughs> Both Dal and Trudy look terrible in the scene. Because <laughs> I don't like how Trudy's decision, her epiphany, my problem with this is that I think Trudy's epiphany should have come from her own self-examination. And instead, the way this episode makes it look is though she has the epiphany based on guilt. Yeah, guilt trip. Yeah. yeah, and I don't like that. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't feel like that's a healthy way to discover. I need to be with my child because I feel bad that a goat and another little girl were. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh no, what will Brady think of me that I left her? I think that I, I feel like Trudy's epiphany could have been done better. Yep. Um, 
So yeah. there are a few scenes that I don't think the writers handled the best in this episode. And I think it would have been much better if Trudy, we didn't even know this is what she was thinking about, you know, and then she hits Dal with, I've been thinking. And then it would felt much more like Trudy's been thinking about this on her own, not because society told her she should feel bad about leaving Brady behind. I mean, you see it on her face. Like they bring up the abandonment. Yeah. Her face just drops like every time yeah. she's sitting there with the goat, like holding it, like, just like staring off, thinking about her own abandonment of her child. Yeah, that's why the goat and Misty get along because both of them, they're both of their mothers left you. But my problems with the writing in this episode, Trudy coming to her epiphany, the separation of her and Dal. My problems with all that aside, I do like that uh, Trudy comes to this epiphany, and I do feel that she needed the space to come here, you know, and mm -hmm. realize what her daughter means to her. It's not just that Trudy's all, you know, Brady has in the world. Brady is all Trudy has in the world, you know? And um, she needed that space to actually think about this relationship and what tr what mm -hmm. Brady was and what Brady represented to her and where she wanted to be. So I do like that. I still think the writing could have been done better, but still glad she got to this place. Has it ever occurred to you that I might not want to hear about this? Did you ever think that I might not want you and Celine and Zandra and everyone dumping their stuff on me all the time? Did you? Amber. Everyone expects me to be their mother, but no one thinks about what I want, and I'm fed up with it. So just for once, get off my back and leave me alone. Uh, let's move on to um, Amber for a moment, because we see her grow more and more frustrated as everyone comes and offloads their problems to her throughout the day. Um, yeah, let's just flip that for a moment. I mean, do you think Amber is a bit naive to think that people won't come to her with her problems? Or is it the fact that it's always problems about love that is driving her insane? It always, this scene makes me think about something Amber said earlier. I'm admin, not marriage guidance. Yeah. Why come to me anyways? You know, she's sick and tired of people putting it on her. It's true, but at the same time, Amber puts herself in these situations as well. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I understand her being annoyed that everybody comes to her with these problems and expects her to fix them. And I'm, sh I'm sure she's mostly just annoyed that it's Celine and Bray coming to her about their relationship when she's in love with Bray. Like, she yeah. don't want to hear about their crap. Like, look, Trudy's out of the picture. You don't need me to fix your relationship. Just go make out somewhere. And I don't want to think about it. I hate the both of you. You know what I mean? So I get that. Mm -hmm. Her frustration, it does lack some sort of self-awareness because Amber does put herself in a position. Like, even when people don't want her help, she does kind of put herself out. Again, I I get it, you know, but... Um, Force of habit. You know, it... If she thinks there's a problem between a couple, she's the first to approach the couple and talk to them about it. <laughs> so why is she surprised that Celine or Bray would come to her when she's attacked both Celine and Bray about their relationship? You know, it's like, honey, you, you kind of opened the door on this. Yeah. I think she's just having a, a bad day. Cause Dal I think, left. yeah. She's jealous. Da yeah, she's she jealous. She's hurt. You know, and her best friend left her. Yeah, her bestie left her. She had a connection with Bray, but that doesn't change the fact that there's this thing with Celine. And yeah, it's just a bad day for her. And, you know, she's had to come up against her power issues and that she can't control anything. And 
kind of sick of these people. Oh, and I kind of love that, like, Amber, it's almost her setting a boundary. Like, she's finally gotten to the point where she can say, okay, guys, like, listen, I, my, my bestie left me. Like, she needs a moment to process that. And I think that's what Moore was trying to be shown instead of, like, her being marriage counselor. I think she just needed the space because of what's going on in her life. Like, people don't stop to say, hey... You know, Amber's having a rough day because of things as well. And that is the unfortunate thing when you decide to be mom of the tribe. Moms yeah. don't get a day off. Nobody cares how mom is feeling, you know. And Amber, like, she didn't ever want to, I don't know if she ever wanted to be mom, but she just kind of got that point and nobody really asked her. Like, she just became the mom. And- but she was proactive into getting that position. Yeah, It wasn't just yeah. completely thrown on Amber. I'm just saying there is validity to the point that Amber kind of took on that position because there are situations that she put herself in the middle of. Yeah. Wasn't invited into them. And yes. And obviously there's plenty of times where people drag her into their problem, but she's never drawn a line between the two. It'd be different if people only dragged her into their problems. And I feel like Amber could be like, dude, stop dragging me into your problems. I didn't ask for this. But when Amber both gets dragged into people's problems and often just voluntarily walks yeah. into those problems, yeah, it is yeah. naive to think that they don't, they're going to believe it's okay to drag her into their problems because she'll walk in anyway. <laughs> yeah, I get that. No. It's what happens. And, and it's true. It, that, that, that's line. You know what I mean? You want to help people, and Amber does, and she feels a responsibility to help people. But you're also basically wearing a sandwich board. It says, come to me with all of your problems. Because as Sabine has pointed out, there are times when people have said, Amber, I don't want your help. I don't want you involved in this. And, you know, Amber's like, well, I feel like it should be. <laughs> but those yeah. are the same people who will come to Amber, even when Amber doesn't want them to. So mm-hmm. Amber's both got herself into this position, but I completely understand why she's frustrated with it. Like, leave me alone. I'm having a bad day. Does anyone care yeah. I'm having a bad day? But, like, I, I guess I tell people this all the time, like, especially with my kids. Like, you know, kids have bad days. Adults have bad days. And I just, Amber's having a bad day. And good for her for kind of snapping because she needs a moment. I, you have to admit, there's something very comical about Celine and Bray. I think it's almost played as a joke because Amber settled down with her book and Celine comes in and says, can I talk to you? And Amber's like, I was just about to start reading. And Celine just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's played for comedy. And she has no choice but to put the book down because Celine doesn't care. She's like, don't worry. It won't take long. You're like, But she apparently stayed in there for an hour rambling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because later, you know, Amber says, she didn't make much sense, Okay. And I, I think we got cheated. We didn't get to see what Celine right. said to her. And yeah. I wish we had. We need that. Basically, Amber just says, it didn't make much sense. But at the end of the day, she doesn't want to be your girlfriend. And I'm like, I want to hear the rambling nonsense hear that. that Celine did for an hour. <laughs> Do you think in that Amber ever picked up the book to like just tune her out because obviously it was Celine that put Amber in this mood because by the time Bray gets to her she's had it <laughs> so I think I think she just wanted to sit and read her book Celine walked in 
And then it just became a thing. And it's funny because she's about to go to sleep. Celine's finally left and Amber's like, fine, I guess I'm not getting any reading done. I'm just going to go to bed because my head hurts. And here comes Bray. And she's like, I was just about to go to bed. But he keeps talking anyway. Yeah. I would have thrown the it's book pretty, at him. Get out of my room. It's a pretty funny scene when you break it down like that. Like, I'm still surprised he didn't ask Jack to make her a door with a lock. And that takes away half of the fun. Like, what is it, later? I forget what series it is. And Lex is, Lex walks in somewhere and he's like, don't you ever knock? And he's like, not when there's no door. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments ever he's because you're like, he is it in two? Yes, it is. It's just the, like, was it? I don't care where it is. It's just funny. Like, it we still funny. don't have doors. And like, not when there's no door. <laughs> it's just Oh, it's so funny because you have so many people and so many personalities and there are no doors. <laughs> Cracks me up. But yeah, it's it I'm sure it must have been hard for Amber to have Celine come in there and go on and on in this nonsensical rant, which we unfairly don't get to hear <laughs> about yeah. Ray. You know, and not making any sense. You know, and I wonder what that must have been like for Amber, who likes Bray and is envious that for whatever reason, Celine got his attention and that he chose Celine. And here's Celine making no sense as she says she doesn't want to be his girlfriend. And what that, how confusing must that be to Amber? This is the same girl who said she was willing to blow up the group to have this guy. And now she's got mm-hmm. him, and she's like, I don't want to be his girlfriend. Amber must be like, oh my gosh, I hate all of you people. You make no sense to me. <laughs> I don't get this. You have him, okay? Trudy paved the way yeah. for you. <laughs> she literally left, and she gave you the baby, and now you don't want him anymore? <laughs> get out of my room. <laughs> but I did notice that Bray, he he's not very upset when Amber tells him, look, basically she doesn't want to be your girlfriend. And he's just like, oh. Did you tell you why? <laughs> Not really. She wasn't making any sense. He's like, okay. And when she's like, okay. you know, and she goes off and he's like, all right, I'm leaving. Sorry. Because Bray has learned his lesson. When a girl's mad, just leave the room. Mm-hmm. Or she picks right. up a sharp object made of plastic. Go. I can't believe I actually started to think you were being genuine today. I was being genuine. No. It was so you could sleep with me tonight. What's wrong with that? You told me to respect your feelings and I did. What more am I supposed to do? Sleeping with me is not a reward for being good, and it's not a permanent treatment for being bad. Well, what is it then? You've lost me. I thought I could help you direct your energy down more positive channels, but I see now I was wrong. It was a mistake. What did the panel think of Tyson reasserting to Lex that sex with her wasn't a reward for being good or a treatment for being bad? Yeah, don't you think this was exactly what she was doing, regardless of how she wraps it up as the good of the tribe? Hmm. Uh, once again, <laughs> how many times do I have to say that Tyson does not actually express her ideas very clearly? Yeah. What did she think Lex was going to assume about this relationship? Mm-hmm. When she comes in to give him sexing, when he's feeling bad and affecting the tribe, and... <laughs> then when he's feeling good she doesn't give him sex like what did she think he was gonna she she started this therapy to fix him so she already knew he had a broken psyche 
and an unbalanced view of relationships and how we should treat people. And yet she starts this therapy with no real plan and takes no responsibility for it. And the minute it stops, it's not working. Literally only three days into the treatment, she gives up on her patient and tosses them out the door. Come on. That is so irresponsible. Like Lex may be a tool, but Tysan, what the heck? You don't take on somebody to take on this responsibility to counsel someone or fix them and whatever you want to call it. And then abandon them within three days and kick them out the door, as he says, like an unwanted pet. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> what she did. Yeah. yeah, but he thinks sex is like a cookie, you know, like a doggy treat. You get it for good behavior. But she knew that going in. She knew that yeah. Lex was a toxic person, okay? And she was the one who said, I can fix that and I'll use sex to do it. And after only two treatments, because she doesn't get the results she wants, she abandons her patient. That's irresponsible. She got in over her head, I think. She got in over her head and then was like, well, let's not anymore. Zandra. And she just doesn't care. She doesn't care about the, what she's done. Of the lives she's affected she just even the way she ends it with him forget it it was a bad idea just pretend it never happened and i admit i like lex is not the best person but holy crap i i yeah. i actually kind of feel for him in this because this is confusing he thought she slept with him because she was interested in him as a person <laughs> he didn't know this yeah. was a freaking experiment you know and there are a lot of confusing emotions in this episode so to have per a person just be like oh no like bye i it, i actually kind of feel for the guy. i'm not saying that it's not something he deserved or whatever <laughs> but because he does still i i feel like tyson was just really irresponsible with this if you weren't willing to go the distance or commit to this treatment and fixing this person you should have never started in the first place because she treated him like a toy which wasn't much different than how he treats people. But again, she doesn't think that because her intentions are good. She, she simply assumed that, okay, he's frustrated because he doesn't get sex. I'll give him that. He'll stop being frustrated. And it just didn't pan out the way she planned because she didn't expect him to get attached. She also thought he'd be easy to fix. Because again, yeah. she doesn't get people. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Lex threatens Tyson, but she, she, she's, not, she's not rattled about that at all. It's more about Lex's assertion that the two of them are made for each other. Um, yeah, why do you think that scared her so much? She doesn't want to be tied down. She didn't, yeah. She didn't think that the attachment would happen. No. She doesn't feel that attachment the same way other people do, and she doesn't expect others to do that to her. I do think she's had a bad experience with it as a child, which is why Tyson has latched on to not having attachments to people and not believing in love or marriage. It terrifies her. The idea of loving or needing somebody or being emotionally dependent on anybody because you can't control that. And she has to confront that in season two when she has to acknowledge, holy crap, I'm in love with this man. And I finally understand why people throw themselves into these messy situations with people and what it means to love someone and want to be with them. I, I think the whole scenario, she doesn't want any piece of it. And if she never has to get attached to people, she never can get hurt by people. And that's why she has this airy indifference to everyone. 
That's why she mm -hmm. gives her advice so carelessly and doesn't really care about who gets hurt by her advice. If you don't care, you can't really get hurt. If you have a vague blanket, oh, I'm here for humanity, you don't have to actually care about anybody on a personal level. I'd agree with that. Tyson doesn't learn. To, and I think it, I, I do believe some of it is because there wasn't anyone who cared about her on a personal level. I know this is next, next season, but it is relevant to this conversation. There's a big change when she meets Alice. Up until mm -hmm. Alice, every person that Tyson has met either dismisses her, calls her a space cadet, or just keeps her at a distance. Like they accept her, but they don't try to be her friend. You know, like Bray, he respects her, but he's not hanging out with her. You know, I mean, they don't have the same hobbies. She's used to people keeping her at a distance because she's a weirdo. But here comes Alice. And Alice is devoted to staying by her side, first as her bodyguard, but then as her friend. And nothing Tysan does can chase Alice away because Alice cares about her. You know what I mean? And Alice teaches Tysan what it is to care and love a person because she never rejects Tysan, no matter how different they are or their beliefs. She thinks Tysan's a weirdo, but she loves her anyway. And Tysan changes. We, she loses that indifference for people after she gain, she after she's given love from a person, she learns how to love other people and she becomes a very different person. And um, I think that has a lot to do with Tysan's core. Nobody really loved this girl. She doesn't know how to love other people. What is it? Trudy's gone back. She's changed her mind. What? Which way'd she go? What? Which way? Along the main road, I suppose. Why? Come on. Wait. When did she leave? At dawn? It's too late. She'll be halfway there. I can't believe this. Why didn't you tell us this before? Boy, she didn't want me to tell you. What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. We're just worried about her safety, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> Look, I I'm sorry. It's just the thought of anything happening to her. Here, have yourself with the food. We've just got a couple of things to do. <laughs> Calm down, you're gonna blow it! One of us should have stayed with them! Oh, it's done. Just have to keep an eye on this one. Uh, that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. Uh, so back at the Nomad camp, um, Troy and Susanna find out that Trudy has left. And they immediately flip out. Um, yeah, do you remember what your first thoughts are um, at a sudden mood shift between them? And yeah, what do you think Dal's fate was going to be? I wasn't so much worried about Dal as I was about how mad they were that Trudy left because they mentioned dealing with the Locos before. Of course. She didn't give a crap about Dal. She was like, oh no, Trudy. <laughs> yeah, oh no, Trudy. Maybe they were all for her and wanted to sell her to Ebony, you know? Gosh, Sabine, you're too predictable and funny. <laughs> yeah, right? This is where young Hillary was either like, okay, they're either cannibals or they're going to sell the people. Or sell people meat because they're cannibals. And I didn't know which way it was going to go, but definitely, like, I was really glad to see them flip out because I was like, I knew it. They're not nice. Because I knew it. Like, it was like we finally saw the CD underground that we didn't think because they're like here eat this stuff get fat so we can eat you <laughs> there was a hansel and gretel vibe from that i agree thank you okay <laughs> 
That's why I was like, they're totally going to eat you guys. Don't eat that stuff. I mean, you eat the last shot of Dal is him shoving food in his face. We just can't <laughs> lose this one. <laughs> come here, come okay, on. exactly. Can't lose this one. Why is he eating people at this point too? I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I was either he was going to get eaten or he was going to get sold to another tribe to be a slave. I didn't know quite what was, but I knew it was bad news bears. And these guys were not, not who we thought they were. Basically, when I saw it, I told you I had been, I was warring with my cynical self and my optimistic self. Like, maybe they're just a harmless, you know, country tribe, a commune. And my cynical side said, no, there's got to be something bad about these guys. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. So as soon as that happened, my cynical side goes, see, I told you, cult. <laughs> That's what you get for being optimistic. <laughs> now it makes sense why I'm not an optimist. I did love the contrast. Um, it made the nomads far more interesting and it made their world more interesting because I do believe they can be both. They can be like, they can have a happy community and they do have to do this messed up stuff to keep their community safe. I mean, they even say that to Judy and Dal when they ask, how do you keep tribes like the Logos from bothering you? And they give, they share this look and go, we can get them things they can't get themselves. You know what I mean? So People. part of it is most likely something they had to develop to protect themselves from these bigger, crazier tribes. If they can give them slaves, those bad tribes don't bother them. They leave them to live in peace and they're able to go about trading. Because they're, I believe their happiness amongst each other is totally sincere. But if you're a stranger who falls in their midst, you know, you're flying in a spider web. Sorry, no loyalty to you. In terms of world building, I always thought this whole slave trading with the nomads was a bit weird. Because the locos never, they don't need to trade with, with them to get people. They, they are the pick up people off the streets at, in the city. So I never understood. Oh, but if you notice, remember that Troy, he's sussing out useful slaves. Like, remember when he's asking Trudy and Dal all the stuff they can do? Like, the nomad, the, the, the locos, they just grab anybody off the street. Oh, that's true. But maybe these yeah. guys are really good at finding them, like, useful I slaves, mean, skilled workers. Yeah, people to, like, you know, people with talent. Do things. Dal would be a really good, you know, like, slave on an auction like you know there's things he can do and that's a lot better than some kid off the street who can't do anything so yeah they uh, can get them yeah. skilled workers <laughs> and also it or saves tribes like the locos from having to chase after people once they cross the borders yeah. you know okay maybe that's what they do they chase people <laughs> yeah but here, maybe at this point, the Locos have mellowed out and they just don't take kids in the middle of the night because they realized that that was a bad choice and they were just getting these random kids yeah. who didn't know how to do anything. That is true. I mean, so they could Ebony's pay. in charge of them now and she would have given them more yeah. of a direction. Zoot, yeah, he had them raiding random tribes and just dragging anybody in. But Ebony would have been like, we still have to feed these people. But yeah, and they could have realized like, hey, we're using too many resources trying to nab kids off the street when we can pay these dudes to find us and they can like slaves. find us useful people yeah. and so yeah we have to pay a premium but it doesn't matter because we've got you know our other ways of finding because why stuff. else would they have a slave auction at the tribe gathering you know what i mean yeah but it's like oh 
she buys Dal and Sasha, you know, for reasons, but she's also getting a great deal by buying them. She's getting an entertainer and an engineer. Come on. That's a good mm-hmm. deal. Well, I mean, yeah, Sasha is not part of a good deal, but <laughs> sorry, nobody wants that. So it's that. possible that when Ebony took over, that she was like, no, we can't just keep grabbing strays off the street. Because she does mention at yeah. the tribe gathering that we feed and clothe these kids who are taking off the street. You know, and mm-hmm. like Hill said, mm-hmm. that's using your resources. You're not mm-hmm. going to want to use them on useless slaves. You're going to want to, you know. I mean, maybe like when Zoot was around, nabbing kids was more to bulk up his army. Now we have, one, we figured out that not all those kids were useful. And two, we have an army. We don't need it as much, but we need laborers and things. I guess I would like to see that transition because I don't think like you could have made the Locos give that up, that kind of thrill of chasing people down so like, easily. But since Zeke's think- death, we haven't heard the sirens in the streets. Yeah, I, just, I wish we had that transition, I guess. Um, yeah. Ebony changed things fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had that talisman. She's like, some things don't change around hell. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see that. And I mean, once part. you're a loco and you admit that Zoot gave over his power in a dream. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> I'm, but I'm sure it would have been an interesting uh, transition because we may have seen people like Jaffa leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, going, wait a second. Yeah. This isn't chaos. This isn't what Zoot believed in. Yeah. And that's probably where the split happened for the Guardian, like, for the Chosen, is right at this moment. Like, we don't see it yet, but I'd believe that. I mean, we're not oh, allowed yeah. to see the chaos until it's relevant to our mall rap. But yeah. it's all happening. But it would have been cool if we could oh, yeah. have seen that transition. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't heard. But I think She's right. not wasting gas having the police car running through the street. We haven't heard it since Zoot died. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's it's interesting. She's been making changes quick. She's already organized a tribal meeting. She's already like, we gotta stop doing things the way we've been doing them. It's chaos. It's crazy. Nobody's gonna get on top doing this. She wasted zero time. Think about it, Zoot. How long has Zoot been dead? Basically, maybe two weeks, if that. Yeah. And she's already arranged a tribal meeting, like gathering with all these tribes. That. But I think she's always kind of thought about what she would do if Zoot wasn't in the picture. Because I don't see Ebony not doing that. Like, she might have walked the walk and talked the talk while Zoot was around. But the, she knew the second he was gone, she was going to try and fill that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she probably thought that Jaffa was going to try and step up too. And she probably had a, a way of dealing with that to kick them out so that the chosen would start up and so this is our first glimpse we haven't had a chance to see what was happening on the streets in zoot's death really and uh this is our first real mm-hmm. glimpse of what these people have been doing what have the locals been doing since i stopped looking for zoot you know since it's been confirmed that he's I'm dead people. and this is our first you know look at what's been happening things are getting organized in the city really we live in the city how do we miss that <laughs> right how do we not know this? She must have started making plans right after she and Bray talked. I really do love Troy and Susanna's true colors coming out. The way they freak out about Trudy being gone, you know. And Dal's confusion, like, Dal, that's a red flag, dude. Come on. Right? He's just like, what's going on? I'm gullible and adorable. That abrupt change in, like, behavior. 
I knew last episode, nine-year-old adorable Hillary knew something was, like, they were too nice in this world. <laughs> I knew, like, there had to be something up. And then you see it, and I'm like, told you so. I prefer uh, mean Troy and Susanna to really nice Troy and Susanna. Nice yeah. <laughs> Troy is creepy. So creepy. Yeah, but I like it. And same thing with Susanna. I really, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, I liked it. The actors did it well. So that brings episode 24 to a close. Thank you once again to the panel, and we'll see you next time for episode 25, which introduces Sasha. So until then, bye. 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 <laughs> bye.